Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we have Stephen Pesavento with us. He's a host of the Investor Mindset Podcast. He's an active investor who curates commercial real estate investments for clients at Von Finch Capital. He's raised tens of millions of dollars and has successfully cycled through multiple assets. Going full cycle takes a long time, and that's, that's an important um, note there. He started as a single-family operator, has flipped uh, over 200 houses in three years, and that was before he expanded into the commercial uh, space to focus on building a business around his ideal client, successful high-income earners like him who are seeking tax-efficient ways to grow their wealth. So he's got a top-rated podcast and private investor community where he brings together real estate investors uh, to learn and put these strategies ultimately to work. Without further ado, Stephen, how are you? Welcome. I'm doing phenomenal. I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be here with you. You, yeah, you run a great show. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to have you on. And, you know, when, when I was reviewing your bio in the 200 houses in three years, I mean, um, I, I certainly resonate with that. You know, it's kind of my story too, having done probably way too many single family houses, but that, that was an on-ramp for me. And it, it, look, it made money and, and it was certainly a lot of work and a lot of brain damage, but it, it got me in the game. Um, what was your kind of on-ramp in, into real estate? Was it flipping your first house or did you, did you, was it reading a book or having a mentor? How did that uh, originate? Yeah. So probably like so many of your listeners, I had this realization. I had this, this drive to want to, you know, start investing in real estate because I believed that it was going to be a tool that could unlock what I wanted. But I always had these beliefs like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I can't do this. I don't have the experience. I don't have the background. I don't have the money. And so for a long time, uh, I just didn't, I just stayed in my W2 focused on what I was doing what I was really good at making money. And, and that's something that I think is important to understand is that either you're going to be the active operator in these assets and you're going to spend all of your time or a good portion of your time managing the day-to-day -day and becoming an expert there, or you need to focus on making a lot of money or making good money in your, in your career and then investing that money passively with somebody who is an expert. So I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, that I had kind of gone down the path and when I first got started, it, I had no experience. I had never bought a personal residence. I had never flipped a house. I had never renovated a house. Heck, I had never even changed the plumbing under the sink or cleared out you know, a drain or anything like that. But <laughs> I knew that when I made that decision that I was gonna go all in, that that was it. And for me, I'm a burn the boats kind of guy. So I gotta be all in in one direction, otherwise, uh, it doesn't quite work as well for me. So I went all in, I fired all my clients. I dove in in that first year, we went from zero to 75 flips and then scaled continuously, uh, you know, the next year and the next year. And in about two years, I had done over 200 flips or wholesales, um, you know, all out of state as well. Wow. That's incredible. I, I like what you said about the commitment level. I that's, think that's the common denominator for people that I talk to like yourself that have done a lot of stuff and people that um, are kind of outside the store with their face pressed against the class looking in and, and wanting to be in the game. Um, they, I think there just comes a point where you make a commitment. I know that happened for me a number of years back and it was like, hey man, I didn't, 
I cashed out everything and I pushed all the chips on the table to make this work. And it was, it was scary as hell, but it was, uh, it was the move to make. And that's, that was a difference maker, right? Um, how much it's time did a- you spend kind of deliberating that before you, before you did that? Yeah, well, it was kind of like, it was kind of like this. I was working in management consulting, having a lot of success in that space. Uh, a lot of good ego drive there, a lot of good income, but I just realized there wasn't passion. So I left for management consulting, went to the tech space, working in startups around startup people. And in technology, people are super big believers that you can do anything, that you can take something from a little idea and create a multi-million or billion dollar company. And so being in that space was a great incubator to changing belief, to realizing it's Mm -hmm. possible to go and create something from nothing and to be able to go and learn how to do this. And while I was working on a startup of my own, one that eventually failed, failed in a phenomenal way, I learned a ton from that. And we could have gone and got financing or funding, but we shut it down. But while I was doing that, I actually started Airbnb. And so I was Airbnb my personal place. I got a couple more. I was making good cash flow. And it kind of, it, it, flipped the switch for me realizing like, okay, well, there's a really great way to make money doing this. And this uh, particular niche that I was in was one that I thought, okay, it's great, but it's changing dramatically and it's not quite as lucrative as it once was. And so for, for me, uh, what it has been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey of all of these little steps that I would have never been able to see fit together really well until I look back. And so when I finally dove in, it was a decision literally in a moment. I remember sitting, I was, uh, I was hanging out with a girlfriend of the time and, and I was sitting, I was talking about this and I jumped up off the couch and I said, I'm doing this right now. And the next day I let all my clients go and let them know that I was transitioning them to another person that I recommend they work with. And uh, I had set out on this plan to go and find and connect with mentors and be able to learn from other people. So I went to my first networking event that next week and as a result of that, ended up finding mentors, finding a community, and everything really started to bubble up and come together um, after I made that decision. But it was in that decision that I decided 100% that I was going to do this, and I left myself no way out uh, by going all in. And so even though it was tough along the way, right, it takes time to figure out how to find deals, how to, how to do all of the work that goes into being an operator, but because I had gone all in and I made that decision for myself and I let other people know, so I created accountability, I knew that I was going to find a way. There was no way that I was going to not succeed, no matter how many times I failed. And that's really what led me to success. And that's also what led me to leaving the single family space was realizing it's in that decision that you can make that can lead to the next genesis, the next growth um, in my career and, and frankly, in your business. And after flipping a ton of houses and realizing, well, where's the passive income going to come from, from flipping? Well, it's not. And you can definitely build a single family portfolio. And there's a lot of benefit in, in doing that from a, from a level of learning, but frankly, uh, from a level of creating massive wealth, it's much, much more efficient, effective, and in my eyes, much more diversified and secure to go the commercial route. And that's why I dove in. I love it. I love it. There's, there's a lot in there. Um, I sometimes, talk to people or some of our coaching students. I wish life wasn't like that where you had to commit first and and go all in and then, and then do it. But that, man, that's how it is. That's how it is. Um, So yeah, it's too bad. I I mean, there's times where, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah. just want to add this. There's times where it would be nice if it was possible to just get that little feeling to maybe just get that little taste, but it's not until you push all in that you actually start to see any momentum. And without that momentum, uh, there's not a lot of motivation to keep in something when it gets hard and it's always going to get hard. I love it. It's always going to get hard. Yep. And, and once you make that commitment, um, it's, it simplifies a lot of decision-making. doesn't mean it's easy, but it simplifies. I mean, you, you probably faced a thousand different, very difficult decisions. And because you were, you were pegged all the way in one direction, it, uh, it's, it's binary. It's one or zero, I'm in or out, and I'm committed in for life. Then it kind of makes a lot of decisions easy. Like, eh, look, this is, I'm committed. So I'm, I'm going to push through. And there's just, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you face thousands of those kind of decisions. And if you were on the fence every time, Am I in or out? There's no way. There's no, you, you, can't, you can't proceed like that. Well, it makes it really difficult for other people to help you succeed. Because for example, if, uh, if, I'm, a, if I'm an operator or I'm a, an investor like I am and, and I'm going to go out and my job is to go curate investment deals and to, to do due diligence and to find operators that are best in class and, and be able to bring those people together into uh, opportunities to invest together. And my job is to go out and do that due diligence. If I am not clear in what my purpose is and how I can help other people, not only are they not able to understand how they can be helped by my service or by what I'm putting together, but they're not going to be able to refer me to somebody who would be a good fit. And so when you're an investor or an operator and you go out and you say, Hey, I'm in single family and I'm thinking about multifamily and I'm looking mm. at storage and I'm going in commercial. If you're not specific and clear in what you're doing and what you, frankly, your, your value proposition is who you serve and how you serve them, then it becomes very difficult for, for mentors or friends or family members or anybody in your network or circle to know, well, what do you do and who, who are you really able to help? And so people want to uh, be able to help people. And so when you can get that clear, uh, it makes it a lot easier for people to say, oh yeah, oh, you're a passive investor. That's great. You should definitely talk to Devin or you're a passive investor. You should talk to Steven. He might have some, some opportunities that are outside of uh, Texas or in some other markets. And, and by being able to be clear in that other people uh, are able to help other people and they get that good feeling inside as well. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. A lot of folks, I mean, we focus a lot on syndications and apartments, things like that. But there's this whole like most of America that doesn't even know this exists, right? So it's easy to get focused on our little bubble. But I think it's easier to explain to somebody that's brand new to this when you've got kind of a, that singular focus, right? And you're not talking about 10 different asset classes and things like that. I want to jump in, Stephen, on um, I think an important kind of inflection point in your journey and, and you touched on it earlier, but you can make money flipping houses. And, and honestly, you know, that it's not a bad way to start and it's not a bad way for one guy to build a successful company. Uh, we've seen that time and again, uh, it's got its limitations. What happened in, for you in your journey where you said, I got to go bigger and, and I got to move and shift. And what was like, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's interesting because it's such a simple experience, but it was one that ended up making things so clear. So I had, you know, obviously was flipping uh, uh, tons of houses. We had quite the uh, uh, operation running. And I remember it was a few years ago now, right around this time of year, November, December. And what I noticed was that there was a shift in the interest rates. 
And when that happened, all of a sudden there was a lull in the number of sales. And I was sitting on seven properties on the market, you know, 50 to $60,000 a month in interest payments that were all, you know, short-term loans, the type of loans that we use in the house flipping game. And double digit rates, that kind of stuff. Double digit rates, giving great returns to my investors, sure. but also creating uh, phenomenal uh, overhead, overhead and expenses for me that scared the crap out of me sure. because my partner in the business had gone through 2008. He had lost $10 million. He had the experience of, of, of going through that. And because I'm a big believer in learning from other people's experience, I, when we first started, I asked him every question. What did that feel like? What was going through your head at that time? What would have you done differently? What could have you experienced from that? And I had firewalked his experience. I had felt those emotions deep down inside. So when this happened, I remembered it flicked off the reminder in my mind, not alone in his, that, hey, this is just like that. This is that moment that it's time that if, if this ends up being the beginning of the turn, it would be better for us to liquidate than to sit on these. And so, you know, fortunately in January, the market turned right back on, all of those properties sold. We ended up getting out in a phenomenal position and we kept flipping. It, that wasn't the end of it. But it's, it's right then that I decided, okay, well, we need to have a hold strategy mm -hmm. uh, in our portfolio. Started buying some properties, started holding. And after about six or seven of these properties, I was sitting on them and we closed one particular property. And we were going to be making about $100 a month in cash flow. It, was, it seems like nothing when you're closing a deal and making 40 or 50,000 in equity. Um, right. So we deal with this. The, the tenants trash the place. They stop paying rent. We're dealing with a terrible property manager who doesn't have the incentive. They're only making $60 a month at their 6% rate on an asset that's $150,000, $175,000 asset. So uh, the incentive alignment wasn't there. And so I realized, okay, well, I've got to do something different. I either have to build property management myself. I have to uh, find a way to acquire properties yet at an even lower uh, basis um, so that I have even more margin if some of these kind of challenges come up. And that's when I stumbled on, on multifamily, but it was the moment that I realized this, this little nugget was what really changed things for me. Cause I was attracted to the economies of scale. I was attracted to the ability to have a large asset that I could fly around the country to go see because I've always been remote. Um, but it was the way that multifamily is valued that really set off the, the buzzer for me and said, hey, this is something you need to look much closer at. And it's because for every $1 that I save in expenses or create a new income at a 5% cap rate equates to about $20 in new value created on that property. So imagine when you add $1,000 of value or sorry, $1,000 of income per month, we just added uh, $20,000. And you can imagine how that might increase over 200 units. And so it was in that moment that I realized that not based on the properties around it, but based on the income uh, that I could make dramatic movements in, in the kind of equity that we could create in these properties. And so I kind of set out to go and find other people who are already in this space, people like you, people like some of our mentors and friends. And I went on this journey uh, over about a 12 month period of cycling 100% out 
of single family and all of my focus going in into multifamily and going and finding the best in class operators, those people who already have that experience that I can work with that are already 10 years ahead of us down the line, but we can come in and add value with technology and marketing. And of course, bringing capital partners to the table that are able to deliver uh, these great returns for everybody involved. I love it. How did it feel when you sold that last house? It felt phenomenal. And it was actually right in the middle of uh, COVID. And so things took a little bit longer, but you know, I was, I was grateful that it sold, but it felt so good to just have that, you know, have that gone, have, have the equity that I had been waiting on that hundred dollars a month that I was making, um, turned into $45,000. It was like, okay, well, great. I'm glad I have that. It was a nice forced savings. Um, but the type of returns that I'm seeing in my portfolio on the commercial side, even though we're fairly young in our investments, because, you know, like I said, we've just transitioned over the last uh, 12 months to this space. Uh, the return profile is, is just better, especially for being hands off. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I want to kind of underscore something that you just mentioned. And I think, you know, those of us in the business understand this, but maybe somebody listening that's a little newer, it bears repeating, but the value of a multifamily or large commercial property is net operating income divided by a cap rate. And so you, you talked about a dollar turning into $20 of value. And it's just, I just want to kind of reiterate that if you're able to, to charge for a parking spot and it's $20 a month, um, and that's pure income that's going straight to net operating income. You're basically dividing that by a cap rate. And that's where you're seeing that 15, 18, 20 or, or more multiple on a valuation, which you can then refinance out. You can sell and, and realize it there, or you can just keep it on the balance sheet as, as additional wealth. So it's just a tremendous wealth building tool. And especially when you're talking about getting into 10 and $20 million buildings to start with, and then seeing you know, 10% increase or, or whatever the case is, it turns into a lot of money. Um, I love it. What are you guys um, plans, I guess, for the next year? You know, 2020 was an interesting year, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. But um, what do you guys see kind of for the for the year ahead and, and, and your game plan for the business? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have my crystal ball with me as I'm traveling right now. But the way that I look at things is that as long as you're able to buy something um, where interest rates are low and the return profile is uh, higher than that interest rate, then you're going to be in a, in a good position. One of the things that I like about commercial real estate, one of the things I like about multifamily in comparison with single family flipping is that we're looking at a longer term time horizon. Right. So yes, for example, we work on some uh, redevelopment type deals that are heavy value add. They're essentially multifamily flips that happen over a one to three year period. Uh, we also work with operators that are more on the value add side. So they're coming in, the property stabilized, all the tenants are in place, and we're just going to slightly bump things up and add some value in that space. And that's maybe a five to seven year hold. And so as long as we're looking at things from a longer term perspective, and we always have the ability to convert to a longer term hold, you know, past that three year mark, I feel very secure uh, and my investors feel very secure kind of being able to pivot to that place. So we're still 100% in buying mode. What we're noticing in the market is that prices have not really adjusted um, right. as some people had projected they might adjust. And it makes sense because there hasn't been reduction in rents for for majority of the markets that we're looking in. Um, there hasn't been a reduction in uh, collections. There hasn't been um, a reduction in price as a result. And so 
what we're looking at is still very uh, particular about finding the right deal. But when our operators do, we're very happy. Like, for example, we were doing a deal in uh, Denver right now that is a property that we're purchasing vacant. So we don't have to deal wow. with any of the challenges associated with evicting people in the middle of COVID. Yeah, good. We've worked with the we've worked with the landlord in order to rehome all of those people, pay for the deposits elsewhere, find them a new place. Um, so when we closed on that property at 9 a.m. that morning, we were able to start demo, and I we're able to it. turn that property much faster. And you know we can't predict what next spring is going to be like, but we can predict that people are still going to need a place to stay and, and to live. And that as long as we can be very conservative in our projections that we're going to be in a good position. So it's a long answer to get to. We're still 100% in on buying multifamily. And we see a lot of other investors from our other asset classes moving into this space. And so we feel very strong about it. And, and uh, I think investors should as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we really got a lesson in 2020 about essential businesses. And that's kind of been all of our thesis uh, all along was, well, listen, people need a place to live, kind of middle of the road, uh, safe, clean, affordable place to live. And there's a huge contingent of those folks, no matter what's going on with the economy. And, and that's, that's been borne out um, in, in 2020. So I love it. This is, this is great. I, I appreciate your overview, your journey, Stephen. Um, this, I love talking to other entrepreneurs that have, have gone out committed and, and made big things happen. If somebody wanted to connect with you and learn more about what you guys are up to, what's a good avenue for that? Well, if you've liked what we talked about here, we talk about a lot of the same things on my podcast, the Investor Mindset Podcast, which is available on all the places that people listen to podcasts. It's a top rated iTunes podcast. Um, or if you're interested, you can head over to the investormindset.com slash principles slash principles. And we've put together a phenomenal piece that talks about a lot of these principles that have led to success in multifamily, in real estate, in business from over a hundred plus interviews with some phenomenal folks. So highly recommend you guys go check that out. And uh, if you do check out the podcast, shoot me a message on LinkedIn and let me know what you thought. Outstanding. We're going to link to the website in the show notes. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can go right down there and click the URL to go through. Steven, thank you so much for joining today. That was great. Phenomenal to have you uh, be on here with you. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful day. Awesome. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.